Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans, Part 2, entitled, Why Do Good People Suffer? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans 5. Now here is our Bible teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. So open the Bible, friends, teenagers, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, that is, not only we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. And reasons are given because we know four things. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces proof of character and proof of character produces hope and next hope does not disappoint us two reasons for that because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's the second reason why the hope doesn't disappoint us Number one, love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Number two, by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So let us look at this. Proof of character produces hope. Number three reason. Proof of character produces hope. Tribulations, afflictions, sufferings. Do not destroy our hope of being glorified, which is our final salvation. We would expect that to happen in our natural thought. Sufferings destroy hope. No. Tribulations, sufferings strengthen our hope. How does that happen? By weaning us from ourselves and the world to God. Tribulations make us heaven-focused. Tribulations cure our worldliness. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the boastings of things of this world which we possess. Instead, we boast in God. Things of this world become strangely dim through the ministry of God-ordained and God-controlled sufferings. In the pitch darkness of tribulations, I see the glory star in the heavens very clearly which guides me to the third heaven, to paradise, to Abraham's bosom, to God. 
even as the star guided the three wise men to Bethlehem, to Jesus, to worship him. We learned in chapter 4 of Romans, Abraham, against hope on the basis of hope believed. Believed that God is able to perform what he had promised. Proven character brought about by tribulations and endurance. Proven character produces a strong hope. Hope of our future, hope of our glorification. Not hope of our getting rich and famous here and now. Turn to Romans 8, verse 17 and 18. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And as I said, tribulations produce sanctification, which is a prerequisite to our glorification. So those who are being sanctified through sufferings enjoy a greater hope of their coming glory. Let me read to you First Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Number four, this hope of our coming glorification does not disappoint us. It does not shame us. This hope is not an illusion. This hope does not shame us even in this life. And that's why St. Paul says, in Romans 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for our salvation, ultimate salvation, our glorification of everyone who believes first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. And St. Paul is writing to his assistant, Timothy from prison. Let us listen. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Do you expect any preacher 
saying that, join us in suffering. Verse 12. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed. Why don't people witness to Jesus Christ? Let, me, let us agree. We are ashamed. We are ashamed of the Bible, ashamed of Jesus, ashamed of miracles, ashamed of heaven. Intelligent people will not believe in God. We accept that thesis of the unbelieving world. That is why I'm suffering as I am. I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Hope, our hope, is certain hope, sure hope. It will not disappoint us. And we turn to Isaiah chapter 28, which Paul quotes in Romans 9 verse 33 and 10 verse 11. And Peter quotes again in 1 Peter 2, 6. Isaiah 28 verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, Jesus Christ, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed, ashamed. I said this morning, hope in people, hope in a country, hope in a president, hope in people or in a president, regularly disappoint us. Not hope in God and in his promises. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all, I would translate, all see the Lord's glory are being transformed that sanctification here and now in this life as we behold the Lord in the word especially are being transformed a deep work is being done as we see the Lord in the scriptures are being transformed into his likeness and we who with unveiled faces all see the Lord's glory are being transformed. Progressive transformation into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Even now in sanctification we are being glorified. Waiting for the final glorification. Turn to chapter 4 and verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles. Now don't misunderstand. Light means also martyrdom. But he calls it light. And he was martyred. Momentary does not mean for a moment. It can mean all life. 
But compared to eternity, it is momentary. And compared to glory, it is light. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, even now, sir, an eternal glory or eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. Hope doesn't disappoint us. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. See troubles and tribulations and pain and broken relationships and all that wean us away from trusting in this world that we may focus toward heaven, our eternal home. For what is seen is temporal and what is unseen is eternal. And what is then another reason for our rejoicing tribulations? What is the objective ground of this great hope? Let me read it to you. What is it? And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love. It's not our love for God, but God's love for us. God has poured it out. The word used has to do with mighty outpouring, abundant outpouring, outpoured in lavish manner, abundant outpouring, not trickling down, not drop by drop. A word used for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Joel speaks about it and Peter quotes it in Acts chapter 2, 17 and, and 33 and, and so on. This love of God is poured out into us, into our hearts. It's not a theory out there. Into our hearts once for all, in a mighty downpour, in a mighty effusion. This love God has for us fills our whole being. And this love affects our inner core, our mind, our will, and our feelings. And this outpoured God's love into our hearts in turn creates in our hearts a responsive love for God and God's people. Yes, friends, we glory in tribulations because God's love fills our hearts right now. And God's love functions as God's signature guarantee that you will be glorified. Not only Father loves us, as we read in chapter 5, verse 5 and 9, and Romans 8 and verse 39, tells us the Father loves us. But not only the Father loves us, Son loves us now. Right now. Jesus Christ loves us. 
Romans 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ controls us and impels us. Motivates us. The power of Christ's love. And not only that, the Holy Spirit loves us. Turn with me to 15th chapter Romans and verse 30. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And to this young, timid Timothy, St. Paul writes from prison, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, spirit of fear, spirit of bondage, but a spirit that is Holy Spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. We've been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all three persons of the Godhead love us. And this love is registered in our heart, in our mind, will and feelings. We know it. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. There is such love of God filling me and overflowing. I got up early in the morning, walking miles to see another brother who was in that meeting. This love is not theoretical. It is experimental. It is existential. It is not your love. It is God's love. But it will register in your mind. In your will. And it will manifest itself. In your feelings. As you sing. As you rejoice. This love guarantees. Friends. Our ultimate and final salvation. Which is our glorification. This God's love to us. Is the spring. Of our love to God. We love him because he first loved us. This love controls us, captivates us, and capacitates us. That is, it makes us able to say, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. And it makes us able to rejoice in tribulations, even to endure cheerfully martyrdom. Saints, we are by this mighty effusion of God's love into our hearts, we are hugged by God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We are being kissed and caressed. We hear words of love spoken to our hearts. God's love in abundance is poured out into us. And from us it flows out 
to others. It has to. Our hearts are not like Dead Sea. It flows out. Jesus spoke about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come unto me and drink. And out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Bearing witness to the world about this Jesus Christ and his saving work in behalf of us. God works in us, Paul says, and so we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. As I said, this love does not come into our hearts in drops. It comes as a flood. It falls upon dry, parched land of our heart. It is poured out copiously lavishly, in abundance, in profusion. Even as the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost in a mighty downpour. Let's read about it in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. In the last days God says I will pour out my spirit. Ek Keo is an important word. Ek keo means outpouring in abundance. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. And verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has outpoured, poured out what you now see and hear. And not only to the Jewish people. Acts chapter 10 verse 45. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. That the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Even on the Gentiles. And the word is used again. Titus chapter 3 and verse 6. He saved us. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And verse 6. Whom he poured out on us generously here. Generously. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. I hope you will seek the Holy Ghost. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly Father will give you Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, sir. That takes control of your mind and your will and your emotion that you may live a joyful, victorious, triumphant life. This love is not based on theology study. You must study theology, but this love is not based on it. It is not based on historical study of Christ's death on the cross which is important to study. But this outpouring of love is an experience of every true Christian in his being, in the now. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it is a direct activity of God. It's not a detection that God loves me. It is an experience 
It is experiential. And it is the highest form of assurance that we are children of God. And so we shall be like him when we shall see him. And the last reason this love of God poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This love of God is shed abroad in our hearts which can never be taken away from us, which fills our heart to overflowing, which creates in us a responsive love to God and God's people, is distributed to us by the Holy Spirit. It is what happens when a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It is not just the privilege of 120. It's not just the privilege of the apostles. But it is the privilege of every believer. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 Brothers, what shall we do? This is the answer. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or turn to the book of Ephesians, and chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, notice, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption That is glorification to the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Turn to the book of Acts and see historically how it happened. He came to Ephesus, St. Paul, and he found 12 disciples. He thought they were Christians, but they were not. They only heard of John's baptism. So Paul asked, verse 3, then what baptism did you have? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, on hearing this, that means they heard and they believed the true gospel from St. Paul. They were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. But they are not baptized yet in the Holy Ghost. Here it is stated when Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied and so on. There is baptism in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will destroy your pathetic passivity. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Hallelujah. 
So it is what happens when a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he is sealed with the Holy Spirit. When he is given the deposit of the Holy Ghost. Once for all. When he is given the first fruit of the Holy Ghost. Guaranteeing. Holy Spirit guarantees your final salvation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Let me ask you, what is coming? Glorification. Uh, It's guaranteed. Romans 8 and verse 23, making the same connection. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now we have a lot of reasons to rejoice in tribulations. This Holy Spirit guarantee that we shall be saved. Come what may. They can kill us. And it may happen. This Holy Ghost is the guarantee that we shall be saved. That is, we shall enjoy our final salvation. That we shall be glorified. That we shall be like Christ. That we shall see God. That we shall be blessed with the ultimate blessing of the beatific vision of God. Turn with me to John 14 and make connections there. It's not, Christianity is not theoretical. It is also experimental. As you go through the sufferings, Spirit of God ministers to you in your being, making you sing in the midst of troubles. John 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. What a showing. What a revelation. What a manifestation of God into our inner being that completely satisfies us and makes us happy. I don't go any place to get happy. If Jesus cannot make you happy, you are not a Christian. Jesus, it's his business to make us happy. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. And look at verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. It should mean something. Wonderful, glorious, that will cheer us up and encourage us and edify us and motivate us and love God. This Holy Spirit releases love to our hearts. 
and joy to our hearts. First Thessalonians 1 verse 6. Let's read it even if we take a little more time. Friends, listen. This will deliver you from dope. And this addiction to moral and consumerism. And seeking all kinds of other joys. Here it is. First Thessalonians 1 and verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with a joy, notice, given by the Holy Spirit. He distributes to our hearts love, peace, joy, long-suffering, patience, faithfulness, alertness, gentleness, self-control. Every grace we need, he gives to us. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Believe, sir, you tell me that you are in trouble and you are murmuring. Well, let me tell you what God is saying. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 1, now brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now listen, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I don't know all what that means, but it is wonderful. When the Holy Ghost dwells in us, he grants us grace 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work God demands of us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will glory, the same word, boast, all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, that's what tribulations accomplish. It makes us weak so that we look to God. When I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah, sir. And you want power? He gives you power. And we are told in Romans 8.16 The spirit witnesses with our spirit. That is also an existential experimental something. The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit. What? We are children of God. Son. You are children in the middle of the night. Say you are children of God. Hallelujah Lord sir. The Holy Spirit pours out love, joy and peace to us. It is a love that is, friends, infinite and beyond human capacity to know. Ephesians 3.17, you may ask, how come I do not seem to experience this great love, joy, and peace that you are talking about? You want me to give you the answer? 
because that will cure your problem. Chapter 4, verse 30 of Ephesians says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. We are set free by Christ, by the gospel. We can now love God and keep his commandments, but we are also free to sin. And when we sin and continue to sin as David did, we do not experience these graces of love, joy, and peace. If Holy Spirit is grieved, how can you be happy? And go home and read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. David's own testimony of his misery. Friends, kingdom of God is like the prodigal's father's house. There is singing. There is dancing. There is feasting every day. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Sinning prodigal cannot enjoy it until he repents and comes home. To be greeted, embraced, kissed, and hugged, and received back as son. Friends, so let us repent. Let us come home to the Father. Let us rejoice as children of God. Let us rejoice even in tribulations that produce our sanctification. Let us rejoice, friends, because as God's children, we know the Father's will and purpose, suffering produces sanctification, beauty of holiness. We know we experience Father's love, and we know we are baptized in the Holy Ghost who dwell in our hearts forever, guaranteeing our ultimate and final salvation. No pain, no endurance. No endurance, no godliness. No godliness, no hope. Though I don't pray for sufferings, when they come, I embrace them and even try to rejoice. No, right away, it takes a little time because of them, knowing God's purpose in sending them. But God also has sent Holy Ghost who distributes God's love to us. Great love unchanging love, everlasting love, infinite love, controlling love, that we may endure to the end. He that endures to the end will be saved. You've been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon, Why Do Good People Suffer? Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.